0: Hello, you are listening to Marriage Underdog's radio show podcast, and I'm your host, Chris A. Matthews. And once again, I'm extremely excited about our phenomenal guest. We have pastors Christian Ray Flores and Deb Flores. Christian Ray is an artist, an entertainer, an evangelist, philanthropist, investor, and coach. And he and his wife, they are church planners of the Tribe Church in Austin, Texas. So thank you for being here.
1: We're glad, glad to be here, man. Thank
2: you for Happy having us. Heaven.
0: And and just to let those listening know, um, I was afforded the amazing opportunity to meet Christian and Deb in Austin when I was invited to actually host a marriage retreat at their church. And I, I just remember the night before you guys were so gracious, you hosted my wife and I out for dinner. And we were out for hours just talking and, and, and getting to know each other. And one of the things I remember was how you guys were able to just look at each other. And there was this look of love and compassion and respect. And you guys have been married since 1999. So I just want to start by asking you guys, what have you done to keep that level of passion flowing all these years later?
1: I think for us, it's you know, I think our marriage is our anchor. Mm. It's the most important relationship we have on this earth. And I think sort of treating it as absolute non negotiable, central to our flourishing long, for our own sake, you know, uh, is sort of the key thing. It's that this isn't this is absolutely uncompromisingly, the most important relationship we have on earth. So I think that's probably the the core thing, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think expressing gratitude for one another all the time, um, sharing with each other the things that we love about each other, staying focused on all the the best parts of each other. I mean, marriage is hard. Life is hard. It's true. But when you're really committed to loving one another and staying in love, I mean, we've fought hard to stay in love, really, mm. to keep that the desire to keep that romance and uh, dating every week. We go on a date every week. He buys me flowers all the time. And just making the extra effort to show your spouse how much you love them and respect them and appreciate them and how attractive they still are to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really well, important.
0: Well, I was I was pleased and privileged to view that for myself. Um, and my wife and I, we mentioned that when we left, we were like, man, you know, we hope as we continue to grow a marriage, because you guys are also empty nesters, you know, having raised three amazing children. I know, Deb, you you homeschooled two of the children as well. So can you share about that experience um, more so not not just as, as parents, but the transition into empty nesters? Because I'm sure those listening know that is an inflection point in a lot of marriages. So how are you guys managing and navigating this new season?
2: yeah that's a big life transition and there's no preparing for it in the way that there's no way to really prepare for having a baby you know you can read all the books and go to all Mm. the classes but life just changes once the baby comes and i think it's the same when they go off to college i mean it hits both parents um i think for me as a mom i thought when our first one went off to college, you know, I still had a little bit of time with the others. Uh, I thought, gosh, it's going to hit afterwards when they leave. And I realized, oh, no, for me, it started hitting way before they left, you know, Um, months of that, just being able to talk through that for because we had homeschooled for 13 years, I knew it was going to be a big transition with my daily life. I mean, that's a significant block of time where I had essentially, um, put part of my career on hold to focus on raising our kids. So for us, it was talking through really honestly about what even the day to day would look like. How much ministry would we continue to do together? How much would he pursue um, coaching other businesses that we have together? What my daily life would look like and allowing my time to myself time to grieve? Right. Um, that was a big deal. We're really incredibly blessed because our girls all stayed within driving distance, and that's made a big difference. We see our girls a lot, almost every week. And that definitely helps my heart. But also I had a very wise friend who said to me, don't consider yourself an empty nester until your kids have graduated from college or stopped going to college because they still come home. You're still parenting. You're still in it with them. and that's." that's been very true i i've learned we're still we're still very much parenting our kids yeah, and our, our nest is not empty <laughs> yes.
1: you know the and other that's, thing that's is that's honestly great. there's no as she said it's not there's no preparing and there is a dip right there is a we intellectually prepare but emotionally and experientially we're not prepared anyway right so for us a key thing was the community that we built around us mm-hmm. the 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 inner circle of people that know everything about us when we dipped and we did dip you know and it was just a little disorienting emotionally it's a bit funky is tapping in they catch us right they mm-hmm. they are in our lives that we have rhythms together so when they see us in a place of okay we need to reorient recalibrate they band around us and they did that so we had this period where people leaned in mm-hmm. and helped us recalibrate reestablish our baseline and we went up from there and it was just I cannot stress this enough just mm-hmm. how important it is to have a community not only a community in a broad sense but a very tight inner circle uh, specifically in your life for for these inflection points that you just mentioned
2: mm-hmm. I agree I think I rely very heavily on the small group of women that we do life with, the, the couples that we do life with. Um, I'll I'll just say I'm in my 50s. Uh, I have friends that are peers to me, both older and younger, but also the women in their 60s and 70s around me. I value their wisdom and insight so much. And I continue to run daily activities through them. Like, oh, gosh, mm-hmm. this is how I feel about this. And what about when your kid... When you see this on the internet about your kid or when your child posts that or when they're having these challenges in school and you're not there like how do you lean into that how do you speak into it what's welcome advice um when do you let go and just having women who've been ahead of me in that season of life to walk me through it is so helpful and so life giving.
0: So the role models, right? I mean, Absolutely. I mean say, for those listening, having good role models, put yourself around people in different stages and phases of a marriage to be able to help you out. And when you think about the the role you guys play as, as church leaders, can you share about the strategies you apply to keep yourselves collectively together as married couple, as, as a married couple, because in, in a sense, I, I would assume I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor, but my wife and I are, are therapists in a sense, as you're leading this group of people, do you ever find that your marriage is in a microscope sometimes? Like, what does it look like? You know, is there a level of perfection because you have people looking up to you guys as church leaders. So talk about how you manage the pressures of being leaders for others but yet you're still human hmm
2: yeah go ahead.
1: um you know honestly for us yes of course people are watching what you do this is just part of the role it just comes with the territory but honestly for us we don't compare ourselves to others we compel compare ourselves to ourselves yesterday mm. and I think that's really the most important strategy because it then it, it removes that pressure and it also, it compares to us, we'll probably come back to this, to the marriage underdog that we both are, right? We have, we are both come from places <laughs> where the odds of, the probabilities of a great marriage were very, very low. Uh, and so we just never forget that perspective. So our aspira- our standards for our marriage are so are so high honestly not because we want to compete with anybody but because we value we treasure our marriage so much that quite frankly um i think our challenge with our people is not that they they go well they're not good enough in their marriage they usually feel insecure about their marriage so you know mm. it's a different set of problems <laughs> let's put it that way right
0: right. <laughs> they're not really judging you guys it sounds like no
1: not really no, no. and also uh, uh, we have this culture and we have a very very um authentic yes. organic community so the culture of transparency and vulnerability is a baseline so even when i speak on sundays I pretty much share all of our stuff, you know, obviously within boundaries and with permission, but everybody knows our stuff. Like it's, it's completely transparent. And when, when you open up and say, Hey, here's, here's me, words and all, it takes that the pressure off as well, because there's not nothing hidden in our relationship with our congregation.
0: Mm -hmm. And your examples too, for people to follow, it sounds like as well
2: yeah i really actually i'm glad that you mentioned that because i do think that's important in any leadership role not just in ministry but for us particularly in ministry that we're holding up jesus christ as the example not ourselves this is what it looks like for us trying to follow him Mm -hmm. but authenticity just being real we're in it with people it's not like we're up here and calling other people to be something that we're not striving to be ourselves. So the more honest and vulnerable we are with our congregation or the people that we're reaching out to, the more effective we are in our ministry.
0: Yeah. And I felt that having experienced time with you both, the authenticity is, is definitely there and it bleeds out in everything you do. And Christian, I know that as a coach, you target high achievers, And I want you to share a little bit more about the population you coach and what inspired you or motivated you to get into the coaching uh, industry. Uh,
1: I think it's mostly my heart for men who have both the giftedness and the flat size that I have, right? Mm -hmm. So there's sort of a breed of people, high achievers, strivers, they call them. And I'm one of those, right? I'm one of those guys. And we tend to be be nature and nurture gifted with abilities and drive and focus and talent that is sort of off the charts mm-hmm. and that's both a blessing and a curse right The blessing is you you end up leading companies or churches mm-hmm. or nonprofits you're in leadership positions you're sort of you have this quality about you the downside is usually hidden because of the admiration respect that people have for you sort of the public persona and what happens is that's the weakness the weakness is we take that admiration the success that we have and we double down on it double down on it and we start ignoring the weaknesses the weak spots those weaknesses become blind spots usually we over invest in work and we under invest in relationships and in family
0: Wow. Can you say That's, that one more time? That, that, was a, that was a mic drop right there. Say it one more time.
1: We overinvest in work and we underinvest in in deep relationships and in family.
0: Overinvest in work and then underinvest right. in deep relationships yeah. and family. Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. So be- because, because our work brings us a lot of success in praise and admiration. Mm-hmm. We feel validated in that. And we under so we pursue that, double down on that. And usually, our families, our children, our wives, our husbands, um, our closest friends—they suffer, uh, and we suffer because we're not surrounded by them. And we don't invest in that, mm-hmm. um, and it catches up with us. And it catch. And the the what I focus on is, I work with professionals, and leaders in business, and nonprofit work, and pastors, because it catches up with us enough where we have to at some point stop and recalibrate our lives so that we can thrive long term basically the skills that took us where we are are very different from the skills that are going to take us to the next level and I Mm -hmm. focus on that helping people gather and uh, deploy this the new skills that will take them to the next level help them thrive for life have more impact than before and not be sort of stuck in in this sort of plateaued mode for a long time which is really terrible
0: yeah now now I want to ask you know Deb being with Christian as long as you have I know that usually when you have a phenomenal leader like him you 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 see an amazing helpmate a wife a spouse on on the side of that leader right <laughs> so i, I want to ask you deb share moments within your marriage where those transitions took play where you know did you have to sit christian down and say hey look i know you're traveling the world i know you're doing these amazing things but I need you here too. Like, what did that conversation look like? What are some of those moments look
2: like?
1: <laughs> we had many conversations like that. Yeah. <laughs> pick a pick one of many.
2: Yeah. That comes up every few years, probably. Um, every time we start a new venture or a new nonprofit, or we make a big move, especially if it's a big international move, um, Honestly, one of the things I appreciate most about Christian is that he's got a solid group of men around him and we've both given each other permission. Like here are our people, sometimes they're other married couples, sometimes they're individuals where when we need help, we can we talk to each other first, but then we each have permission to, to go to our people and we'll pull in another couple and we'll say, we'll put it all out on the table, this is where we're at. And like the raw, brutal, he said, she said, And um, this is how it made me feel and just show the ugliest to people Um, Mm -hmm. that's helped us through because it helps us navigate even what's just an emotional response (laughs) and where do we really need to be strategic about how we're going to start in this new venture. Uh, The first one that comes to my mind is um, Jamaica yeah yeah man jamaica, <laughs> <Mon>. jamaica, <laughs> jamaica story. Jamaica
1: Mon. <laughs> okay tell us tell the story that's the big we one. had
2: just so i had a two-year-old and a two-month-old wow. and we had just moved to america um i was very we left russia because of my health i was very sick there and christian had i think it was like nine trips in ten weeks or ten trips in nine weeks and i was home with with two little kids and a double stroller in an apartment second floor with no elevator and um couldn't yeah couldn't function really and when he we all got sick the the kids and i got sick and he was in jamaica at a conference
1: at a a big medical conference yeah, yeah
2: yeah and i remember calling him and just saying i i don't care Come home now! <laughs> now, pack your bag, go to the airport, wait for the next flight out, but come home now. We need you. <laughs> and uh, he he did. He he waited in an airport and could not get out any earlier. Still ended up on the same flight home. But when he got back, we went in and we sat down with um,
1: the his, C- the CEO of our and, the, the, yeah the, and the, president
2: the, <laughs> and sat company, down with the yeah. couple that was, um, yeah, head of that organization and said, this is where it's at. And this is what the last nine, 10 weeks have looked like for us. And honestly, they were terrific. They didn't even realize it. There was so much coming at them from so many different ways. And we sort of put a moratorium on travel there for a while, got our kids on a routine, Christian stayed home. And and we definitely both made the commitment, look, it's, it's got to be family first. And I really... Respect his commitment to that, like he said about being a high achiever, like his desire to be a great husband and a great dad, first and foremost, is what gets us through those times. And that's and a, there, that's a great there, illustration.
0: I, I want to comment though, Deb, because a lot of a lot of women listening, especially those that I've counseled couples, mm-hmm. to have the the courage, the faith, the the ability to tell your husband in that moment, Hey, this is what I need. And then Christian, you, you following suit, right? Like there there was, there was not ego or power struggle. It was, I know I need my husband. I'm going to tell him. And to understand your wife needed you to the point where it was like, I'm, I'm on the way, right? That just is a testament of the love and respect you have for each other
1: yeah i got my bags and went to the airport and i was like get me on a plane any plane i don't care you know that's what i did uh but i think you know i what i love about deb and if you're listening and you're a woman and uh, a a wife or a husband or or a high achiever actually goes both ways speak up absolutely a hundred percent uh healthy conflict is part of any good relationship if you don't know how to fight you're not gonna have a good marriage period you know and and for the whoever is the high achiever in the family, or both are sometimes, you know, I think both of us are. And um, is listen, and then you have to understand. Look, your the success of your life is dependent on the success of your marriage. There's no ifs and buts about it. You will not have a great life if you don't have a good marriage. So for me, I have to cur- curtail and fight against my sort of natural instinct to idolize work and uh, and say this is not going to be my idol i'm going to put it in the right place and my marriage comes first my parenting comes first and i'll tell you i've made way less money than i could have made if i just went with my instincts Mm -hmm. Um, and i decided early on i decided it's just not going to be the case with me Mm i am going to our, our, our lives are intertwined, yeah. they're one of the same tapestry, our lives are weaved together with each other and they're weaved together with our children. So we right. homeschooled right. our children, we, which is a sacrifice and an investment, right? Mm-hmm. So I have not missed one event in my three daughters' lives, not one. Wow! Bedtime stories, family adventure days every single week, uh, of of some sort, mm-hmm. um because that time f- goes in a flash. No really priority, though. you you made, you
0: made you made your family your priority. And to go back to something you said about fight, and I want to highlight that word fight because sometimes couples listening might think that you're talking about fighting for each other. What I I mean fighting each with other. each other. What I yeah. heard is you're yeah. fighting for each other you're for fighting. each other yes. exactly.
1: Yes. Or the marriage.
0: And if you look at the marriage as this shared space, as you look at the marriage as this third entity outside of yourselves, you both chose to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And that was the collective. And, you know, as a licensed marriage and family therapist, we're really big in in systems theory, right? The sum is greater than the individual parts. So you both chose the sum of the five of you all versus one person. Mm-hmm. And I wanna I wanna go deeper into that because Christian, when you get a higher achiever in as a coaching client, talk about where they start and mm-hmm. where they end after working with you, that transitional period where you take them.
1: Yeah, well basically thank you for asking. Um it's it's remarkable how predictable some of those patterns are which is in in, you know part of us goes well i'm so basic like i fall into the same traps yes and there's good news to that because then you're not unique and there's solutions that are available to you that will work have worked for many many men before and will work for many many men afterwards and actually if you learn those skills you can actually help your friends so most of the time they're high on work uh, predictably so high on achievement, mm. low on family, low on parenting and low on deep meaningful peer relationships. Mm. Because those usually speak truth to you, you know. So low um, on
0: connection it sounds like the
1: intimate go, low on connection, yeah. yeah. But then what happens is the chain reaction is because you're the I have this triangle of of fulfillment and thriving that I that i teach them right and i they use this triangle this sort of this lens almost to look at any you can look at your week you can look at your work environment you can look at your marriage you can look at your church community and it's three things that are the most valuable things for you to thrive the first one is meaning Meaning. so having a spiritual practice puts you puts you in perspective. You're not the center of the universe if you're if you're healthy. If you're not healthy, you are the center of the universe. You might not say that, but that's how you act, right? So the narcissistic tendencies come from those things. So having a spiritual practice, meaning is huge, because it gives you perspective, it gives you a grand picture of things. And you can find yourself in that and give yourself authority and a, and, and identity and purpose. So the second and the
0: foundation, one, then, right? So you're building everything on that meaning.
1: Precisely. Yeah. Okay. The second, the second dimension is connection, right? Connection. Is connection. So it's community, friendship, love, marriage, parenting, all of those things, how you connect with other people. The third one is delight. And that's sort of the surprising thing with a lot of Christians, because, you know, happiness, joy, these things are, they're spoken a lot, but in our Mm -hmm. culture, they're really diminished in Western culture, Mm -hmm. because we're so stressed out, anxious, um, and quite frankly, depressed, like 50% of the US population are depressed. So delight is our natural state of being and finding delight in daily things and developing uh, routines and habits to find that delight is a huge deal, a huge Definitely. deal, is a game changer because you're, literally your brain wakes up, your creativity wakes up, yeah. the way you are around people wakes up. So if you have a combination of delight connection and meaning um, and you start nurturing that in a very intentional way, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to give you an illustration, for example, you asked me, okay, what's the what's the intake on the out? Yeah, the, yeah intake you know? in class. In, in so I want, an, a classic illustration of an intake is somebody who I spoke to recently who actually didn't join the program. And that's the reason he joined, didn't join the program. Because... I told him I, I can help you with the most important thing not the thing that you want sometimes mm. what you want is not what you need right so, so what, what he you want... want
0: isn't always what you need Keep exactly exactly like so,
1: yeah. so the, i'll give you an illustration of a classic person who needs it but doesn't want something else so this is a guy he's in in real estate uh works in a real estate conglomerate he is uh, responsible for i think i remember if i remember correctly 68 million dollars of revenue a year um and he what he wants is coaching and how to make his bo- boss appreciate him more and value his work because he brings sixty eight million dollars to the table a year. And when I ask him questions, okay, what's the quality of your life? And I'm asking, of course, around those three things delight, yeah. meaning, connection. And he drinks a little bit too much, you know, he's not a drunk. He's he just, you know, medicates, self medicates. Right, right. He sees his family, barely sees his family, sees them really only on the weekends. And he's been in the city, it's a big, rich city, for seven years, he has zero friends.
0: So if his wife was to make the call Deb made, he wouldn't be the first one on the pl- on the platform? Absolutely,
1: flight, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. So basically what I tell him, I said, look, your problem is not with your boss. The, the problem is how you lead your life. You need habits, systems, um, and skills that make you the person that is now highly valued by your boss, mm. you're not that person right now. That's basically it. Gotcha. And and that's I would say that describes to one degree or another, 99% of the people that work with me is people yeah. that have an unbalanced, uncalibrated, and uncalibrated life.
0: Meaning, connection, and delight.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
0: one of the, one of the joys of, of spending time with you both, Deb, I remember you and Christian talking about your nightly walk. Can you yes. share? the value of having these rituals and routines that yeah. create the light.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, thank you for asking the sacred rhythms, we would call them, that really have helped us so much. And it's not something that we started out doing. That These are things that we learned along the way. But um, the, the daily practices and the disciplines of that connection time for us, it's It's the evening walk and, um, it's a little bit later in the evening now because it's hot in Texas (laughs) in the (laughs) summer. So when the sun goes down, we'll take our dog out for a walk as soon as the pavement's cool enough, but it's a time for us to reconnect and just talk through our days. And often we're, we're working together during the days, but also we can very easily get busy with different meetings. So it's a time for us to catch up, not only on how our day went, but emotionally how we're both feeling about it I mean there's a there's a lot there's a lot of emotion that comes with our days and I think if Absolutely. we just get busy and we push through it that builds up and then little things will trigger and there'll be emotional outbursts where when you're able to talk through those feelings regularly they don't they don't sneak up on you quite and as much you have much.
0: a set calm for it too it sounds like as well like you have that ritual and routine built into the marriage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really systematic in a way because no matter what's going on, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to close out together as one. It's that resynchronization yeah. process that I love yeah. that you guys are doing.
2: We do. And we we have a few practices like that. Like our daily walk is definitely a, a big and helpful one for both of us. We also go to bed Together every night. We've been married uh, 20 it'll be 24 years in September, September 4th. And we, unless one of us is traveling, um, and on the rare occasions when someone has to stay up to care for a, a sick child or elderly p- parent, we. Go to bed together every night and oh. it takes me a little longer with my nighttime routine than it takes christian of course so he'll be in bed and he'll read and he'll wait for me okay. but going to bed together every night we made that commitment to one another when we got married we do not sleep separately no one will ever sleep on the couch whatever we need to settle before the sun goes down okay even if it's after dark before we fall asleep we will work through it. we go to bed together every night uh, we have a date every week when our kids were little we did co-ops to work out babysitting because that can get expensive Uh, we did family dates and backyard dinners on the patio and whatever we need to to make sure that we keep date night special can't remember the last time we missed a date and uh, then we sabbath we sabbath on saturdays we take the day off and we rest and and delight in each other delight in our kids. Again, that's something and we call it a practice for a reason because there's always something coming up. I mean, we're in the ministry. I've, I feel like women's ministry is always happening on Saturdays. We have baby showers mm-hmm. and bridal showers and kids' birthdays, but we've learned to really pick and choose, do one thing, delight in each other, delight in our kids and rest. And that keeps us mm-hmm. steady and consistent.
0: Wow, you you guys have put on a masterclass for all the couples listening. And to just (laughs) highlight going to bed together. Yes. That that's amazing. Creating Yeah, that's the best part for sure. Yeah, that is phenomenal. And then I love delight. And it's an easy system to remember. And you know, I want to ask you for the couples out there listening in general, if you were just to kind of look at the state of marriage. How would you guys define the current state of marriage in terms of what do you, what do you think some of the greatest challenges are for marriage for marriage right now married couples right now?
1: I think for in from my perspective, a big part of it has to do with foundational roles, biblical roles in the marriage, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because they they are sort of attack question diluted. Um, in sort of the public square, uh, which is fine, but you have to find what is it that you believe in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is I would say that the overarching culture of workaholism, idolatry of the idolatry of work, work, the idolatry of materialism, um, the keeping up with the Joneses, Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a tremendous idolatrous overlaying culture that we don't even notice even as Christians many times right? right um because we we it's sort of in the air you don't notice, like a fish in the water doesn't know it's wet um, mm. Christians can be Christians they can go to church they don't know that they have an idolatrous streak to them when they work they're busy they're stressed they're anxious that's not the, that's not the normal state of a believer um and and I I don't want to be I don't want to sort of make you feel bad if you're listening and you're a Christian and you're sort of anxious. That's that's not the point. My point is, clearly in Scripture there's a teaching and a presence of shalom, right, as the standard, right, and that has been I think diluted in culture in general. So everything suffers: marriage suffers, work suffers, excellence, creativity suffers. Delight is diminished, and delight is no longer an aspiration. I think it's it's almost like yeah, that would be nice. And what I'll tell you is that that's not only is it a nice to have, is a need to have.
0: Right, and you and deserve a, to have it, that as a Christian.
1: And, absolutely. And that's,
0: really, that's really the message that I'm hearing you say to those listening. The reason why you provide the services and the programs you offer, the reason why you and your wife are in ministry is not just for you, but for people to see God and have that personal relationship. And you both are representatives of the light not only by way of teaching it but helping others receive it so everything you're saying is in alignment to what it would be or what we should be doing as christians not just getting it for ourselves but helping other people's helping other people get it as well and you've made that a big piece of your lives in terms of your ministries your nonprofit, your philanthropy work your coaching all of what you 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 do you talk about like You reap what you sow. Well, you have an abundant harvest because of what you guys have sowed. Exactly, and and that's that's just beautiful and it's powerful. Now, as as we transition out, as you guys are aware, the show being marriage underdogs, and you alluded to this earlier. I would I would love for you to share a little bit about what made you guys underdogs and how you've transitioned to have this phenomenal marriage, despite some of the facts correlated to research that may indicate that a couple may not be successful. And for those that are listening and are, are, you know, uh, subscribers of our show, you all are aware that my wife and I, we have seven out of 10 of the underdog characteristics, right? So I just wanted to hear um, your story in terms of how you guys have been able to prevail and be so successful in marriage, despite on paper and not being um, statistically proven to be that
2: way. Sure, I can start with a little bit of our backstory. Um, I think one of the obvious things about us is that um, we are, we're mixed marriage, we're biracial, we're um, international, we, I grew up in a very small town in, in Wisconsin and am definitely American. My husband grew up everywhere else. He's half Russian, half Chilean and lived in several other countries. When we met, I was living in Los Angeles and he was living in Moscow, Russia. We were both working in the entertainment industry and that's not, not known for being uh, a field where people have very successful marriages. Right. Uh, we came from Christian came from a broken home and my parents had separated for a while. Actually, they went through some really dark times, um, mm-hmm. and o- overcoming addictions and mental health challenges. And they stayed married, which, uh, definitely played into my desire to stay married as well. But, um, we had our first, Big challenge, obviously, would be that we spoke different languages. We had a couple that we overlapped on, but I did not speak Russian and I fell in love with a man that lived in Russia. So moving to Moscow, that was that was a big cultural change, obviously, and there was a language barrier to to overcome. And then I had some physical health challenges. And at at one point we ended up obviously moving back here to the United States. Mm -hmm. Christian was very well known both as uh, a preacher, but also as a pop star in Russia at the time, definitely in the nineties. And for him to be willing to give that up and move to America, for me, each of us, um, making big life sacrifices for the other person and for our marriage, I think definitely, Increased our trust and faith both in each other and in God that we could get through these things. So that's a little bit from my perspective.
0: Yeah. Now, now, before you go, Christian, what I want to highlight the the sacrifice, and it just goes back to some of the principles you shared earlier about intentional commitments and choosing to be married and choosing your partner. Uh, that's just a that's a beautiful story because you know the language barrier. There was so many things that you guys were able to overcome. And it sounds like it just strengthened you as you continue to prevail and grow in marriage.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I'll let Christian share a little bit more about what I consider my bonus child, but our blended family dynamic. and, And you can share how that's played out as well for us.
1: So um, for me, I'm on, honestly like the poster child of underdog. To be honest with you, because I come from th- literally three generations of broken homes. Three, I mean, we're talking a hundred years, a century of broken homes, where just marriages didn't stay together. One of my children was born out of wedlock, and uh, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I really, really was a terrible, you know, example. You know, and I, I didn't, I didn't have any. I just had no idea how to do this as a matter of fact my coming to the faith one of the pain points was family well, actually was the pain point um i had this uh, so sort i of tell the story over and over again because i i'm so grateful for it because it was a turning point i was so and so i was entertaining millions of people all of, uh, across 15 countries uh, mm. selling millions of albums and i was completely and utterly depressed and empty and the so the reason for, for that was because i had lost another relationship actually drove the person away and lost my daughter in the process and i was wow. just at rock bottom and i was in the kitchen of a pastor who was telling me about the bible and had no nothing to, i didn't know anything about the bible and i just saw his dynamic with his wife and his his daughter his little daughter and i basically turned to him it was that clear to me i said how can i have what you have wow. how can i get that and he said i'll teach you and uh, I just, I just turned myself in, you know, and, um, and that was it. That was, and I basically started a quest where I said, I'm going to be the best husband. It's not going to be a, not only a bl- blind spot, it's not going to even be a weakness.
0: Mm.
1: I can be a terrible artist, a terrible entrepreneur, I can go down downhill financially, but I will be the best husband and the best parent. Wow. And that's what I did and it was just the pursuit the relentless pursuit of the best possible core thing uh, to be a husband mm-hmm. and um i'm be- and that's why i'm passionate about coaching high achievers because i'm a high achiever and i've suffered tremendously out of some of the blind spots that, that are classic for high achievers you you idolize work and you underperform and you're terrible at other things and I, I'm here to tell you if I can do it, you can do it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're gonna be a better high achiever because you can do more things for more people in more places, which is my life story.
0: Wow. Man, that's so beautiful because you found your purpose through your pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, and, the and the then finding
1: I'll... Deb was a mm-hmm. finding Deb was this kiss from God, right? It it mm-hmm. was this supernatural. Um gift right because god i'm unworthy i am messed up but i'm repentant and then god basically looked at me in my changed heart and i feel like he just gave me one of his best daughters mm.
0: wow that's that's special and outside of just what you're saying to, to been privileged to watch it right Like. For those that are unable to see the video i'm I'm looking at the two of you right now hand in hand and it's the same look that i saw the night before the speaking engagement where we were all at dinner it's the same look that i saw on a zoom call of uh, a facetime call when you describe your wife anytime i speak to you it was the same emotion through the phone when you shared uh, yeah. for those listening you had to reschedule the interview because uh, Deb had COVID, and it wasn't just that she had COVID. It was this adoration and this disrespect and concern. Like, hey, I can't move any further without my wife. Like, I I, I got to make sure she's okay first. Yep. And and that's you being that example of putting your family first. And and you've lived up to that promise, my friend. Like, I've got to witness it. I hear it. And in in the fact that you're helping so many other men, who've gone down the journey you've gone down, do the same thing is a blessing.
1: Thank and you. And I'm
0: just thankful. Uh, I I want to end with just giving you an opportunity to share, to all the listeners, how they can get in contact with you both, your ministry, your your uh, your coaching programs, your philanthropy work, all of the amazing things you're doing, because. I just wanna hopefully use this platform for you to continue to be a blessing to others.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for asking. Um, my, If you go to exponential.life, exponential without the E, just starting with the X, exponential.life, that's my coaching website. And um, it has uh, basically what I do. There's a, there's a free masterclass you can download that explains a lot of stuff that's really, really, I highly recommend taking it and it's free. Um, if you go to atxtribe.org, that's our church, and there's you can see a lot of the dimensions of our community there. If you want to uh, see the philanthropy work that we do, we help refugees in Ukraine, and we have an after-school academy in Africa, you can go to uh, www.ascend, as in going up, ascend um, um, mission, oh, no, no, hold on, ascend oh, mission, ascend fund. So I am confusing, there's like two or three URLs there um th- that's the philanthropy work basically mm-hmm.
2: yeah i'll say on that just a couple quick things close to our heart and you you can find this on atxtribe.org or on christian's headspace um podcast he shares about it as well but uh, the projects that we have one is christian spent some of his formative years in mozambique africa and we've gone back um to mozambique i had prior to getting married i lived in Brazil and spoke Portuguese, Christian learned Portuguese there. So being on a mission field, um, Mozambique is Portuguese speaking. We've taken mission teams with us Mm. there to help and start this after school academy in Mozambique, in Maputo, which is the capital and one of the poorest regions in in southeastern Africa. And um, you'll find out more about the work we do in Mozambique there under the Ascend Mission fund. But then the other one is the Ukraine Relief Network, which started basically February twenty fourth, shortly after the uh, most recent invasion of Russia to Ukraine. As we mentioned, uh, we were married in Moscow, lived in Russia, then we moved to Ukraine. So two of our three girls, two were born in Moscow and our youngest was born in Ukraine. Hmm. So it's been it's been a painful year and a half. Um, yes. But it's also been a privilege to be able to serve our our friends and um, extended friends and family, both in Russia and Ukraine, but especially um, this project that we have with the Ukraine Relief Network is, is very dear to our hearts. And you can find out about the Ukraine Relief Network under the Ascend Mission Fund as well.
1: Yeah. Or if you can just have access to basically everything, just go to ChristianRayFlores.com and sign up for my newsletter. And I share all kinds of news and opportunities and dimensions and content there.
0: Yeah, you guys are just doing some phenomenal work. And when you think about the global community that you've established and have transitioned that into global impact, right? So you are from global community to global impact and all of the work that you're doing by way of your faith-based leadership, your entrepreneur work, your investing work, your coaching, your philanthropy, uh, you are definitely both a model of what it means to be a marriage underdog and prevail. And not only did you allow your setbacks to be setups for comebacks, but you have chosen to reach back and pull others forward. And that is what being an underdog is really about. Not just helping yourself, but being willing to help each other, help others. Um, you've been listening to marriage underdogs and I just want to give another thank you to Christian Ray Flores and Deb Flores for being guests on the show. Please uh, subscribe to our show by way of Apple podcast and Spotify and um, leave comments. And once again, um, we, we hope to provide some high quality content next week as we'll have a uh, new guest. And I uh, thank you guys for listening. And this is Chris A. Matthew signing off.